Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information about Home Church, visit us at myhomechurch.org. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us. That there is hope for forgiveness of sins, for the cleansing of our conscience, to be made new. And I thank you just as you did in Alicia and John's life. Lord, we trust that you're going to do it again tonight. It's your desire, Lord, more than our desire. You want to come and touch lives tonight. I thank you, Lord, that there's no one too far off. There's no sin that was too great that you cannot cover and remove the stain from. So, Lord, we just ask right now. We ask. I ask, Holy Spirit, I need you. I need you, Holy Spirit. So would you come and show yourself to be real? Would you come and back up every word that's spoken with an anointing that only comes from heaven, Lord? I pray right now, God, that you would breathe upon every word, Lord. You would breathe upon every person here, Lord. That you would open the eyes of hearts tonight, God, to see the glory of the gospel, to see the glory of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that every heart would respond to what you've done for them. Lord, that they would surrender their lives and find life as they lose their own life they'd find it in you lord so we ask right now holy spirit come come and bless this time lord come and move upon the hearts of your people we ask it in the name of jesus amen amen thank you thank you worship team I don't know if the mic sounds a little bit hot or not, but it just might be me. Man, it is good to be with you here tonight. (laughs) Um, Over the last few weeks, we've been praying and laboring uh, for nights like this. Uh, Specifically, um, we have felt as a church that this month, July, we felt the Lord was really calling us to commit ourselves to stepping out and sharing the wonderful news of Jesus Christ with our neighbors and our community in a way that Um, in just a much more intense, committed way. It's something we always do, but we felt like the Lord had asked us to really mark and set aside this gathering. And I say that because many of you here tonight, uh, I have not seen your faces, and so I trust that you probably had someone knock on your door. (laughs) You probably met someone on the street or someone came into your business and uh, shared Jesus, invited you here tonight, uh, and something along those lines, and and, uh, blessed you and, and whatever that looked like, but they invited you to come here. And I, and I, I want to first commend you for responding to that invitation. Uh, I commend you for responding, but then I also lovingly and encouragingly challenge you that God has something more than just responding to an invitation to come tonight. That it's amazing that you said yes and came here, but God has something much more for you than just responding to an invitation to come to an event and then leave, but God wants to meet with you tonight. That the creator of the universe, the creator of your life, has made a way for you to know him. And I believe God is going to open up hearts tonight. I really do. I've seen it over and over. I just, I have enough history with God. It's limited, but it's, I have enough history to know that God's going to back up his word tonight. 
and his spirit's going to move. In the midst of just a gathering like this, it's going to move. And so, listen, if you're here, it's a sign to me that God's already working on your life. God is knocking on the door of your heart. Rejoice in that, but don't just stop in rejoicing that he's knocking on the door of your heart. My hope tonight is that you would open wide your heart to the king of glory. That he would come in and set you free and change you in every single way. And so before we open up this altar and begin to pray for people tonight, I want you to know that God has been moving in incredible ways over the last few years, but specifically this month. Uh, we've seen eyes be opened. We're seeing lame begin to walk. These are things that are prophesied that when Jesus comes, these things will take place. We're seeing people get saved because when Jesus came, he came to set everything right that sin broke. Everything that sin has touched and broken, Jesus came to set right, and we're watching it with our own eyes. And so before we... Before we begin to open up this altar and pray and lead people to be baptized tonight, like John said, you may have not planned on it, but I promise you this, there are many that God's going to move upon your heart, and you're going to respond to the gospel tonight. You're going to respond to God's voice, and you're going to go in those waters, and you're going to come out a new creation, and you're going to be completely different in Jesus' name. But before we open that up, I want to take just a few minutes, if you would give me your ear and your attention, to share what I believe is the most important message that has ever touched down on this earth, the gospel message. And I want to just present to you, before we even open up a scripture tonight, that the gospel, when we speak of the gospel, we're speaking of God coming down and touching down on this earth and becoming a man in the form of Jesus Christ and doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves, living a life of perfection and ultimately dying in our place. But I want you to know that that reality is an accomplished event. The gospel is something that's actually happened. It's an unalterable fact in history. And the reason why I say that is because the goal tonight is not if can we believe enough to make the gospel real tonight. The gospel is real. The question is, will we respond to it? God really walked on this earth. God really came and changed lives. And he's still doing it. 2,000 years later, every tribe, nation, and tongue, people are responding to what King Jesus had did. In fact, God touching down on this earth was the most decisive moment that it's ever happened in history that literally history has been split in half because of Jesus Christ coming. We have B.C. before Christ and A.D. after his death. So this is not a matter of if we can believe we'll make the gospel real tonight, but God has really come and he's done something. And my hope is that you would respond and trust in that. But here's the glorious news. Even though the gospel is an accomplished event that happened nearly 2,000 years ago, its effects and its impact are still being radically felt today. And what the scriptures say and what I have confidence in tonight is that every single time the gospel is preached, it says it releases the power of God unto salvation. The power of God is released tonight unto salvation. Salvation is, yes, it includes you being brought to union with God, but salvation is God restoring everything in creation that's been broken by sin. That's why we have hope for to see strongholds broken and sick bodies healed, because when salvation comes, everything gets restored. And so tonight, as we share the gospel, what Jesus triumphed over 2,000 years ago will be freshly released in our midst tonight. Triumph over sin and death and hopelessness. If you have strongholds in your life, if there's areas in your life you say, I wish I can overcome this, but I'm just stuck in this. Jesus triumphed over every stronghold 2,000 years ago. And when we share the gospel message, that power is freshly released to deliver addicts, to set you free from Whatever it is that has marked your body, marked your soul, Jesus is going to do it tonight. So, Lord, we just pray for your freedom and your wholeness tonight in the name of Jesus.
So if you would, I know it's a little bit hard to see in the screen. If you wouldn't mind, if you could put up, if it's possible, Hebrews chapter 9. Are we able to do that? Amen. And you can direct your attention right here. I know it's a little bit tough uh, to see. So listen, tonight, it's, it's beyond the scope tonight to provide some in-depth Bible study, all right? So I want you to know there's some things you may see here that I'll, I'll get to in a moment about the blood of goats and an old system. You'll be seeing what in the world is happening. I'm going to share how this connects to the blood of Jesus in a moment. But what I first want us to see is why we have a need for the blood of Christ. We sang about the blood, and I want to just preach and release the power of Jesus' blood to deal with every issue in your life. So just bear with me as we read this. If you're not fully connecting the dots, I promise as we go through, I believe the Lord will do it for us. So here's what it says. It says, for if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, will purify our conscience? How much more will the blood of Christ purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. So what this is saying is that if the blood of the old covenant, which I'll share in a moment, but of goats and animals, if that could produce a cleansing outwardly, how much more can the blood of God shed for you not just lead to some behavior modification, guys? We're not just talking about Jesus' blood, just adjusting your behavior and you learning the Christian language for a few hours on a Sunday, but the blood of Jesus can wash you from the inside. And what, what I want you to see is something that the Lord has been gripping me with in this text for the last few years, and I want to just share it tonight and trust that God will, will connect it in your life, but there's something absolutely remarkable in this text. What I just read right here, this text, Hebrews, was written nearly 2,000 years ago, Yes? And when it references the blood of goats and animals, it's actually making a reference to the days of Moses, which goes back another 1,500 years or so from when the book of Hebrews was written. And the point is this, is that I just read a scripture to you speaking of the blood of Christ to purify, but it's referencing a people that lived nearly 4,000 years prior to tonight in a part of the world that is radically different in the Middle East and in Egypt than it is in 21st century America. And the question I have for you is, how in the world can a text describing a people nearly 4,000 years ago in a completely different part of the world have any bearing on our life tonight? What is the relevance that it has? But the amazing thing of what the writer of Hebrews is saying is, despite how radically different 21st century America is to the days of Moses as they traveled through the wilderness. I mean, just think about every advancement we've made in technology and medicine and entertainment the worlds are so different, and, and to a certain degree, it's true. But what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is even though our worlds are radically different, the most basic need of man and woman remains unchanged. That the same pressing need that was in the heart of Moses and the Israelites is the same pressing need right now in Mastic Beach on July 21st, 2023. It's fascinating. Even though our cultures are so different and it seems like it was so long ago, what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that there is one need of man that, that everyone in this room is wrestling with right now, especially if you don't know the Lord. And here's what he's saying. We need our consciences cleansed. 
Every single person because of sin entering into this world and cutting us off from our creator is right now wrestling with a defiled conscience. It's the most basic pressing need of every human being wondering how can I deal with that defiled conscience? What, what do I mean by that and how do I know that? Because first of all, everyone in this room has a conscience. How do I know that? Because every single person in this tent was created in the image of God. Whether or not you believe in God we stand on the word that you did not just come out of a, a random explosion. You're not just the byproduct of a series of small evolutionary steps, but everything about your life, everything about this earth points to intelligent design. You bear the mark of your heavenly father who created you. And part of being made in the image of God is you've been made with this spiritual dimension according to the design of your creator, which is called your conscience. And what that is, is that you were created with a capacity to actually feel guilt and conviction when you live out of alignment with how God has made you. When you are cut off from your creator, your conscience bears the weight of that. At the same time, when you're reconciled to your creator and you live for him, you feel joy and comfort in your conscience for doing that. So every single person here has a conscience. And if you are not in the Lord, something has happened to your conscience because of sin. The Bible says your conscience has become defiled. That's where I stood. Nearly 12 years ago, my conscience was defiled. What do I mean by that? Meaning, it's almost like I, it was dirty. I had the stain of sin on my soul. And how do we know that? The scriptures describe sin as being ugly, dark, and it stains. It soils and spoils everything. And so when we engage in sin, living out of a line with God's good pleasure and good will for our life, whether or not we think it doesn't matter, I'm just living it up, our con you can't avoid this, guys. It's like a, it's like a law of gravity. There's, there's natural laws, there's spiritual laws. You have a conscience, and God made you. And when you're living outside of God's will, your conscience gets defiled by the sin that you're engaging in. Every single one of us. And what happens is, is as you feel that, the heart becomes overwhelmed by that feeling. And you have feelings of condemnation and guilt and shame and regret, feelings of unworthiness. Restlessness is the byproduct of a defiled conscience. Proverbs 28.1 says, the wicked run when no one chases them. What does that mean? It means it's describing the effects of a guilty conscience. You're always on the run looking for something to bring you rest in your conscience, but you cannot do it through your own works. I stand before you as one who is delivered from drug addiction. What was going on in my life? My conscience was dirty. I didn't recognize it. But everything I was grasping for, I was trying to relieve what I felt inside of me. The, the, the filed conscience produces disappointment. You feel like, you just hear that voice, failure. Look like whatever it is, unworthy, unacceptable. Your conscience bears witness that you're cut off from your creator. You know that you're alienated from your, from your God deep down inside. It's a heart that feels wicked and wayward. And no matter how much you attempt to make things right, it cannot do it. That's the problem with the defiled conscience. And you cannot say, well, I don't believe in God, so it's not for me. No, you feel it, guys. So what happens? What, what do you do when you have a defiled conscience? I want to present before you that so often our behavior that we do outwardly is really the byproduct of trying to find relief for our defiled conscience. Most of the time we don't even recognize that what we're engaging in is we're really looking for an answer to deal with the feelings of restlessness, the lack of peace, the anxiety we feel, the emptiness we feel no matter how much we gain, money, careers, it's never enough. 
It, we have it for a moment, then it's gone. And so what do we do? I know for me, over, like when my heart was overwhelmed by just this emptiness, we start stuffing our schedules with things because the pain is too unbearable to actually stop and recognize how empty we really are. <laughs> and so we just become obsessed with more and more and more. We turn to food. We turn to internet. We turn to entertainment. We turn to careers. We turn to family. And a lot of these things, guys, are God-given gifts that are beautiful. Careers, these are amazing. But what happens without the Lord and what we're about to get into tonight, those things that are good, they become ultimate things in your life. The problem is they can't make you clean. My wife couldn't make me clean. My kids couldn't make me clean. And even when I had these things, I still felt something deep inside that was missing. I even found in my own life that destructive hobbies, I think oftentimes, or let me say this, our destructive habits, I should say, are oftentimes, I think, an attempt to silence that silent scream of a desperate conscience that wants to be free, forgiven, alive, clean, made new, made whole, desperately seeking acceptance, desperately seeking, I, I just want to be, I wish the slate could be wiped clean and I can start over. Every conscience feels this deep down inside. The problem is we've masked it for so long we're not even aware this is what's driving our behavior. Addiction, self-mutilation, I felt like the Lord was giving me a word for someone tonight and you can come up later and pray of self-mutilation. Someone was, someone was harming themselves and I want you to know, listen, addiction, I've been there, addiction, all these things, guess what happens? You get prescribed with every medicine out there, every label's been placed over your life and you walk in this identity, this is just who I am, and you're taking all these meds that try to figure, figure, fix yourself, you know what the problem is? You're cut off from your creator. Your heart's longing to be free. Your heart's longing to be clean. What you're really desiring is to be made new. And no amount of drugs can, can ever fix that. Suicidal, so all of these things are desperate cries to try to silence that silent scream in our conscience that's saying, I just want to be forgiven, but when we feel like there's no way out, we feel utterly hopeless and in despair. And we get stuck here. I know I've, I've kind of shared it, but this is my story. Uh, 12 years ago or so, and there's so many people in this room, you heard some tonight, 12 years ago, my life looked radically different. I was on the back end of a seven-year addiction of which I was losing everything. I couldn't understand how I got here. Years before my addiction, I was in the city in finance. Everything seemed to be going great. I had the suit and tie on, but I was dead inside. I was dead inside. And what happened was I saw, oh, I just need to work harder. I just need to get more money. I just need to get more things, and that didn't do it. Oh, I just need to wait till I get married. Then I'll be good. That didn't do it. Oh, I just need to wait till I have kids. Then something will touch my life. That didn't change me. I can't tell you how many labels were put over my life from doctors. Well, you're just this. You're just this. You just need this. No, do you know what I needed? I needed my conscience to be cleansed. I didn't recognize it at the time, but all of my desperate grasping was because I felt so dirty and unclean inside. I felt the guilt and shame in my life, and what I really was longing for is, is it possible for someone like me who's done so much to be set free? Is it possible for me to have new life? And I stand before you tonight, even though my sins were like scarlet, I stand before you as white as snow. And listen, it's not because I stand in my own perfection, but I stand in the perfection of the one who died for me. And when I called upon the name of the Lord and his blood was shed over my life, I felt the shame lifted off of me. I felt the condemnation break off my life. 
I felt everything my heart's ever longed for. It touched me. It changed me. You don't need to be paralyzed by the weight of the suffocating feel of like this, this defiled conscience. God doesn't want you to stay there. That wasn't his intention for you. Even though we got ourselves in that mess by our own choices, God could have given up, but he said, I love you too much. I'm coming for you. And he offers himself tonight to make you new. Do you want to be free? <laughs> Is there anyone here who wants to be clean? Do you want to be forgiven? Do you want new life? Do you want your slate white clean? Do you want to feel the peace and joy of being a son or daughter of the, of the king of glory? That's who you created for. If you want that, I have good news. It's possible. But it's not found in your own works. It's not found in any medication. It's not found in just reaching out to the things of the world. What the writer of Hebrews says, if you want to be clean, if you want to be made new, if you want to be forgiven, there's one answer. Only one thing can purify your conscience. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus' blood, guys, can wash you. I, the, the testimonies in this room of, and it's not that you have to have a story like this, but addicts and, and just people that were wayward and God's blood, it's, guys, Jesus' blood is the most powerful thing on this earth. His blood is stronger than anything, any addiction, any stronghold, any mindset, any emotional trauma, any pain. You run and trust in Jesus' blood over your life, it can set you free. It fulfills every desire and longing of your heart. And he doesn't just... His blood doesn't just cleanse you outwardly. Man, his blood changes you on the inside. He breaks the pull of sin in your heart. He gives you a new heart, a heart of flesh, no longer a heart of stone. I'm not just talking about, like I said before, just adjusting your behavior for a few hours. That's not what Jesus does. He makes you new. If anyone is in Christ, behold, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You're a new creation. Paul it's like Paul couldn't even barely comprehend what happens when someone is in Christ. The only thing he could describe it as is, you're a new creation. That literally, you're a new species. <laughs> He's like the old person. I don't know who, what that is, but it's gone. It's ever fading away. And when Jesus comes back, who you really are, you'll see it in its fullness. God's changing you in this place right now. Amen. <laughs> it's the blood of Jesus. How do I know that the blood, you may ask, how do I know that the blood of Jesus can forgive me? How do, how do I know? Not only does the scripture say, but how do we know? What does God do with my sin? What do I mean by the blood of Jesus? Trust the blood of Jesus. I'm speaking about what Jesus did on the cross for you. His blood shed for you is the only way to be free, forgiven, alive, made new. How do we know that? Because guys, God didn't just come up to your sin and hit a delete button and say, okay, let's pretend it was never there. He didn't come up with a wand, a mercy wand, and wave it over and say, okay, abracadabra, your sin is gone. I say this often. If that's what you think happened to your sin, that's not good news because you never really know if your sin will find you out again. You're never quite sure if God's going to put it back on you again. You're never quite sure if he just swept it quickly in the closet, if that closet door will open up again. But God has done something far greater with your sin than just wave a magic wand. The Bible says he took everything that you and I, have ever done and ever will do. And he took it and he laid it on his son, the iniquity of us all. And in his son, Jesus Christ, as our substitute, took on everything that we deserve. Your sin was not just winked at. Your sin was fully paid for, never to find you out again. 
Why is the blood of Christ the only way to be clean and forgiven? Because what Jesus did is the only thing to fully deal with the penalty of sin over your life. Your debt has been paid. (laughs) Everything anyone has ever done in this room right now, the stuff that people don't even know about, but you know, God knows. And he has provided a payment for you to be clean from it, for you to be made new, for you to be made whole, for you to be forgiven, for you to be delivered from it. Is that good news? And his blood is available tonight. So here's what, this, here's what Hebrews is saying. Every single person in this tent was created for a relationship with God. I want to make this really simple. Every person here, you were, if you feel like, why am I on this earth? Am I just paycheck to paycheck? No, 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 no. Alicia was saying it. You want adventure? Come to walk with the God who created the heavens and the earth. Begin to commune with the God who, when he spoke, all the stars you see came into existence. It's the God who, when, he's, when he creates the seas, say no more, and the seas stop. It's the one who says he holds the mountains and the sand in his hands. This is the God that we commune with. Amen? And so God had created each and every one of us for a relationship, but when we sinned, sin separated us from our creator. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The wage of sin is death. What does that mean? Death, yes, physical, but death in all forms. Why? Because God is the author of life. So when we sinned, we were cut off from life itself. Therefore, we experienced death in all forms. Death emotionally, death relationally, spiritually, and then ultimately death physically. And you say, wow, God, that seems pretty harsh. Why would the penalty of sin be death? Do you know, do you know that sin demands something? But I want you to know that that's not a revelation of God's harshness. It's a revelation of his holiness. The reason why death is the only right response to sin is because God is so perfect. He's so holy without blot or or blemish. God is, is, is the only perfect one. But here's the good news. Even though he's absolutely holy and perfect and he cannot dwell with sin, therefore we who are in sin cannot be restored back to him unless our sin is dealt with. God loves us so much that he did not allow us to pay that payment for ourselves. If the wages of sin is death, God says, I'll pay it for you. And what Hebrews and the writer of Hebrews was saying is that in the old covenant, God was already providing a substitution for the payment that was due to the people of God. But the only thing it was in the, in the form of the blood of goats and animals. But God always knew that this would only serve as a type, as a shadow, until one day God would provide the ultimate, perfect, eternal sacrifice. The blood that would not just wash outwardly, but would cleanse you from the inside out. I imagine it's almost like this. Every time a sacrifice was made in the old covenant, it's like a credit card. The debt was never wiped out. It was just prolonged and put off to another day. But the debt was still there. But it was when Jesus Christ came that a sacrifice was offered that completely wiped out your debt. Jesus offers new life tonight. Forgiveness tonight. One of my favorite preachers, Charles Spurgeon, says this. He says, he who fights with the blood of Jesus fights with a weapon which cannot know defeat. Jesus' blood is undefeated. (laughs) If there's an error in your life where you feel defeated, run tonight to trust in the blood of Jesus over that area, and you will see breakthrough. Jesus cannot be defeated. And then Charles Spurgeon said this, The blood of Jesus, sin dies at its presence, death ceases to be death, and heaven's gates are opened. May I, may I present or, or suggest that, as it was in my life, perhaps you've been fighting with the wrong weapon. 
to cleanse yourself, to make yourself right, to feel better about yourself, trying to do something to overcome what you feel inside. And God wants to give you a gift tonight. It's a weapon. It's the blood of his son that can wash you from the inside out. And look what it says here. In verse 14, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, will purify our conscience from dead works? Listen, if you want to be clean and made new and made whole tonight, it's Jesus' blood, and what it purifies us from is dead works. What does that mean? I think what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is he has in mind anything and everything you've ever attempted to do to try to make yourself right with God. Anything you ever tried to give, any promise you ever made, any self-imposed regulation where you said, well, if I just don't do this anymore, I stay away from these people, then I should be pretty good. I've lived a pretty good life. The Bible says they're dead works apart from Christ. Why? Because they will never be able to cleanse your conscience. They will never be able to make yourself right with God. Salvation is available for all tonight, but here's what you must do. You must renounce reliance on self. If you would be willing to say, I cannot bring anything to the table to save myself, except I must throw myself on the cross of Jesus Christ, you will find a father running to embrace you tonight. If you fully cast yourself on the Lord tonight and say, Lord, I don't want to trust in any dead work, but only in your blood. You know, you want to know what another word I think is for dead works is religion. (laughs) And I believe what God wants to set people free from even tonight is religion. It's man's attempt to make himself clean. You cannot make yourself clean. I speak to a Christian tonight. You are clean, and if you're not careful, you start thinking that it's about you now and Jesus making yourself clean. If Jesus were to remove his blood from a person who's been 50 years in the Lord, you'd be unclean in a moment. It doesn't matter how much Bible study you have. That's amazing. We want to grow in the Lord. But I feel God wants to encourage some Christians tonight who are walking around condemned with a dirty conscience. Meanwhile, God's saying clean, righteous, holy. I believe there's Christians, honestly, that can't find traction for their life. You're like tires that are just sputting out in the mud because you're not really quite sure where you stand with God. Your conscience is so weak with God that one small misstep and you feel like he's casted you out of the kingdom of God. What what we've done there is we've reduced the blood of Jesus, the blood of God, to the blood of a goat. The blood of goats had to be sacrificed every year, not the blood of Jesus. Let's elevate the blood of God to where it's supposed to be. It's a once and for all sacrifice. And I promise you this, knowing that doesn't lead you to stay in those cycles of sin. It will actually lead you to freedom when you know that you're clean and right before God. He wants to wash you tonight from every dead work. The picture I have when we try to wash ourselves, it's that annoying stain that you get, that grease stain, right? And what do you do? Well, I've done a big mistake. You get that rag and you start to rub water on it. What happens? The stain just gets worse. When we try to clean ourselves, it just gets worse. It's like quicksand. The harder you try to get out, the more you sink. You need a cleansing agent to bring that stain. The stain of sin on your soul needs a special cleansing agent. It's called the blood. It's the blood of Jesus, and it thoroughly and fully brings it out. Religion says tonight, if you feel guilty, here's what you need to do. Start doing more for God. Oh, I'm all about going fully into God. But if that's what your motive is, you will never never know if you've done enough. Religion says you feel guilty, here's what you need to do. The gospel says you feel guilty. Here's what he did for you. Trust fully in what he's done. And from that place, look what it says. He'll purify you from dead works to what? Serve the living God. You want to run hard after God? You need your conscience cleansed. Listen, God doesn't want to just release you from bondage tonight. That's one thing. He wants to give you a new purpose tonight. 
He wants you to live for the glory of his name. He wants to reorient your values and your structures and, and your priorities and your schedules that you would actually live serving, you would actually serve to live in God. Guys, tonight is more than just one night being touched, being set free from things and going right back. God wants to set you free and set you on a course where you would live for your creator forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Man, I really want to, I got to share one other thing and then we're going to pray. We're going to open the altar to pray over people. If you, would, uh, if you would put up Psalm 32 for a moment, if you would, verses 3 and 4, please. I just want to share something from this psalm, and then we'll, we'll open up and pray. I just, again, I implore, if you don't know the Lord, just this moment, this night is for you. I want to briefly just share this. Here's a beautiful picture in real time of what it looks like when your conscience is defiled, and then the joy of what happens when you run to the Lord. And I believe this is going to give you a picture of what can happen in many hearts here tonight. So this psalm, before I read it, this psalm is a psalm of David. Now I know if you've never read the Bible, I'm sure you've heard of David at some point. It's the same David that slayed Goliath as a young boy. Well, now he's the king of Israel, but here's what's happened. David has committed sin. And we're not just talking about little things on the side. He committed adultery and then devised a plan to have the woman that he committed adultery with, her husband murdered. So we got adultery and murder. I want you to know, if David could be touched by the Lord, anyone here can be touched by the Lord tonight. Anyone here, if you would just say, I'm in need. Jesus says, come to me. Your burdens, your heaviness is what qualifies you to come. So here's David, caught up in a, life, in a situation where he's got adultery and he's got murder on his conscience right now. And I want to put this before you, that if this script was presented to Hollywood, Hollywood would eat this up. This is the drama that they love to read about. Murder, adultery, this makes for a good story. But you know what Hollywood will never present to you? Is the anguish that David felt in his heart because of the sin that he was committing. What they won't show you behind the scene, they'll show you the fast life and how glamorous it looks, but what they won't show you behind the scene is the weight that one is feeling when they're living out of alignment with God. And David begins to give us insight into what he was feeling in his heart. Let's read verses 3 and 4. Here's how he describes it. Verse 3 says, For when I kept silent, Hold on for a moment. Some believe that David, after he sinned, it was about one year before he ever actually had a moment where he came before God and got open and real. One year he carried this. One year, David, I think, what the picture I have is he just shoved it deep down. He denied the pain of his conscience. He ignored the consistent pangs of conviction. He walked around continually, continuing his kingly duties. Everyone would say, David, how you doing? Gave a smile and said, I'm doing great. But deep down, this is what was actually going on in David's heart. And even though man did not see, something was happening in David's life. Here's what he says. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, he's speaking to God, your hand was heavy upon me and my strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. David, guys, David is describing the distress and, and really like the, just a life that's absolutely depleted and drained because of what he's done. I really believe David's not just giving some metaphorical language. I think David's really describing the effects physically, emotionally, mentally on your life when you are living with a defiled conscience and not clean before God. David's really describing something here of what he was feeling. And I, again, I said this kind of before, but I think if David showed up in our culture today and David were to say, this is what I feel right now, we'd, by the time David finished verse 4, He'd have 25 diagnoses and probably double the amount of medication. Yeah. 
He would. But you know what David needed? He just needed to get his heart right with God. He just needed to confess before God. He just needed to have his dirty conscience cleansed and made new and whole and hear the forgiving, loving voice of his father over his life. And that would have dealt with, guys, I realize issues in life are complex, but I really believe so much of our stuff that goes on at a base level, it all starts with we're severed from our creator. And we feel the effects of that in our life. And if that gets right, man, everything begins to fall into place. But here's the good news for us tonight is that God loved David too much to leave him there. And God loves you too much and me too much to leave us in that state of misery. And so he's pursuing hearts tonight in this room because he doesn't want you to stay there. And actually, the primary point of this psalm is not about the pain of or anguish of, of suppressing what's going on. The actual point of this psalm is the indescribable joy that touches a heart when he experiences the forgiving love of his creator. But here's where everything shifted for David. It was the point of confession. The moment David became honest and real with God, everything shifted. And David, David didn't hold back. David didn't keep some things tucked away in the cupboard. He emptied the cupboard of his soul. He didn't keep any black books sealed up. He laid everything bare before God. I imagine as David confessed, it was like the floodgate waters opening up in a dam, which can get messy at first, but in the end, he began to feel the relief of being forgiven by his father. If you're afraid of what it may look like, so much stuff built up in your heart for years and years, it could look messy tonight. There may be tears. There may be a lot of stuff, but I promise you this, in that process, you're going to feel a weight beginning to come off of you. You're going to begin to feel a freedom touch your heart tonight. You're going to be made new in Jesus' name. So here's what he says, verse 1 and 2. We'll close here. If you could throw it up there, verse 1 and 2. Here's where David finally confesses, and I I want you to hear how David describes his state, how different it is than what he just said. He said, blessed, blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. That is completely different than a man who said he felt like he had no strength and was hopeless and depressed and couldn't go on. Now he just says, blessed. Guys, I believe what David's saying here, it's not just about like this cold, stoic, now I'm right with God. When David says blessed, he's describing this inner heartfelt reality of knowing he's clean in the sight of his creator. He's describing this heartfelt joy that he's summing up in this ultimate term of blessed. If you want to experience the blessedness of God, you come before God and lay bare all that's in your life. And God will say, all your burdens on my son, all my son's perfection on you. Holy, righteous, forgiven, clean. He's descri- Listen, when David describes blessed, he's describing an experiential reality. He's not just saying, okay, now you're blessed. And someone says, how you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. And you keep moving on. No, 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 no. David's, David's speaking about a felt knowledge, not just a cognitive knowledge. You feel the, man, when I got touched by God, I felt clean. I can't even tell you the joy that touched my heart when I said, I'm clean. I'm right. I probably annoyed a lot of my family. I was texting my brothers and everyone else. I had to tell everyone that my sins were forgiven. Did you know what Jesus did? 
I didn't even read the Bible, and I remember calling my grandfather. I was still in school at, at Hopkins, and this is where God really began to touch my heart. And I just remember telling him, I'm like, it's like everything I ever did, Jesus took, and everything he ever did, he gave it to me. And I never read anything in the scriptures. It was like the Spirit was just revealing this weight that was being lifted off of me. And it's a blessed state, the joy of being forgiven. David's describing the awakening in the heart of joy, hope, and gladness. So I'll leave you with this. Look at the way he describes the blessed state that's for us tonight. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Forgiven means, literally means carried away. So sin is like this heavy oppressive weight. I've literally ministered to people on the streets these last few weeks, watched them respond to the gospel, and their words were, I feel like a weight was lifted off of me. What's happening is they're, feeling, they're sensing God carrying away all of their sins. That's what, everyone, you, that's what every conscience wants, is to be relieved from that oppressive feeling on them. It's only the blood. And then he says, he's blessed because his sin is covered. Isn't this amazing? It's like David says, oh God, if I would just uncover all my, all my stuff to you, you'll actually cover it. If you would just uncover everything to God tonight, guess what? God says, I'll cover it for you. I don't know about you, but I want God covering my life, not my own, my own works. And the covering of Christ is not just a putting out of like natural sight. It means the condemning power of sin will never find you again. The guilt and shame of things you've done are gone. It's removed as far as the east is from the west. He cast it from the sea. He cast into the sea of forgetfulness. God remembers it no more. And then the last thing, I love this. He says, blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, which means your slate is wiped clean. Do you know that God... God is not a spiritual scorekeeper when you come to him seeking pardoning. He's not saying, well, let's look at all the things that you've done. He says, I count your iniquity against you no more. Your, the scoreboard is wiped down to zero. Actually, it goes up to infinity because you have the Lord now. <laughs> your debt is not just wiped out. You've been given the bank account of Christ now, righteous and free and alive. And so I, I, this is why we're here tonight, guys. We're going we're gonna to make space to pray for the blood of Jesus to touch a lot of things for those who want, but our first response here tonight is we want to pray for those that don't know the Lord. We want to pray for those that maybe feel like far from God, and we want to, we want to invite you to trust in the blood of Jesus tonight and to be cleansed and forgiven and to be washed and made new. And listen, if you, it's for everyone here tonight. It's available. But one of the things I've learned is that Although it's available and it's so beautiful, it's the best news ever, it's not always easy. And here's why. It's not because God's made it complicated and it's not because there's any deficiency in what he's provided in his son. But it's because in order for me to really receive that tonight, I must encounter the grace of God which says, I bring nothing to this except actually the sin that made it necessary. But if you, God, God opposes the proud, but he will always respond to the broken spirit. And if that's where you're at tonight, God is going to cleanse you. God is going to set you free. You're going to feel the blessedness that David described. Could I pray over us for a moment? So I believe this is one of the holiest moments. Actually, this is your holiest moment. It goes from glory to glory, but to come and know Jesus. So we just invite you right now to come, Holy Spirit, and touch the hearts of your people here. If you're sensing, sometimes you'll, you'll, people describe feeling kind of like a racing feeling inside. 
I want you to know that's the Lord. That's him touching you. That's him wanting to come and you to respond and say, I want to trust in Jesus tonight. If you feel like there's things that were said that was like I was reading your mail, that's not because I actually did. That's the Lord speaking right into your situation. And so right now we just ask Holy Spirit that you would come and touch the hearts of every person here tonight. And we're asking, Lord, that for every person that needs to run and trust in the blood of Jesus, that every conscience that needs to be cleansed tonight, we're asking God that not a single person would walk away without renouncing every work of self and fully running to the cross tonight. And I thank you, Lord, that your promise is you're going to make them new and make them alive right now, that you're going to relieve them of the burdens they're carrying, and that you're going to give them a new identity and a new future and a new hope, and you're going to come and fill them by your spirit, and they're going to walk with you for eternity, and their lives are never going to be the same right here in this parking lot in Mastic Beach. So we say now, Holy Spirit, open the eyes of hearts to respond to your glorious call in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just want to ask, is there anyone here tonight, before we open the altar for other things, that wants to respond and give their lives to Jesus tonight? I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand. Lift up your hand. Praise God. Praise God. Is there anyone else? Tonight's your moment. Praise the Lord. Maybe you've been in the church for a while, but you realize I've never really fully trusted. I've actually never really committed my life. Tonight's your night. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you've raised your hand or the Lord is going to tug on your heart and you want to respond to this at some point while we're still here, here's what we believe. What's my response? We're not just asking you to raise a hand and move on. The Bible, we believe in the scriptures, and the Bible says that when the gospel was preached by the early church, the first thing that happened is when people stopped Peter from preaching and said, brother, what shall we do? He said, repent, be baptized, and receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to invite you to do tonight is that if you've responded and said, I want to be set free, your first thing is you're repenting, which means you're renouncing self, you're renouncing looking to anything that can save yourself, and you're saying, I'm putting my faith in Jesus. Then what's going to happen is we're going to baptize you in water tonight. You may have not been expecting that. That's okay. We have towels, and you're going to go home. It's going to be a wet ride, but it's going to be a glorious ride. <laughs> and you're going to be baptized because these waters are really powerful. It's Jesus that saves, but these waters become the expression of your faith, of renouncing self and being made alive in Jesus Christ. That when you go down in these waters, it's actually a death to self, and we believe that when you go down, everything that you want to die off your life tonight is going to die tonight. And when you come up out of those waters, you're going to be made new in Jesus Christ. And then we're going to take Peter's word, the word of God, and we're going to pray that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. And God's going to come and consume you. So I'm going to ask our baptism team to actually go over to the parking lot on the left. And if you raised your hand, I want you to go over there right now. If you raised your hand, I want you to go over there right now. Praise God. Come on, let's just begin to rejoice what the Lord's doing. It never gets old seeing people come. Listen, at any point, if, you're, if your heart is, is being tugged on by the Lord and you need to go over there, then I invite you to do that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here with someone 
that you know needs to respond to that, I invite you to lovingly let them know tonight's your night. I say this a lot. I probably repeat myself a lot of things I don't even realize. <laughs> but this is not to scare anyone. But oftentimes the Bible says if you hear his voice today, do not harden your heart. And the human temptation is to always put off to tomorrow. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. One more run. One more binge. One more, one more month. One more year. But we're not promised that. And the Lord says if you hear his voice tonight, do not harden your heart. And so again, I just invite you that as we're praying for other things tonight, if you know, if you know you need to be cleansed and washed by the blood of Jesus, I just invite you to run, run over to that team over there and be baptized tonight and be set free. I promise your life will never be the same. We're so happy you could join us on the Home Church Podcast. We pray this week's message encourages you to behold the Lord Jesus and bring his kingdom wherever you go. You can visit us online at myhomechurch.org, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us on social media. If you would like to give to this ministry, text the amount to 84321. Bless you.